Hey guys, welcome back to week two of our faithful series at Transformation Church. My name is Brad Livingston and I'm the lead pastor. We're so honored that you are with us today. And uh, man, we're, like we said, in this faithful series, we're, we're trying to learn, understand, and grow in ourselves on what it means to serve a faithful God when we feel faithless. And so uh, we're super pumped. And we want to talk to you today about this idea of hope dealers, right? You heard that right hope dealers. Uh, because what I believe God wants to do is bring hope up in our hearts to, to stir us up with a hope for what we're looking for. And matter of fact, we're going to go straight into uh, our text today, Hebrews 11.1. 1. And it says this, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for, right? So I want you to say this word confidence. I want you to say the word hope. So this is a confidence, this is a trust, this is a, a leaning into the thing that we're hoping for and the assurance, the confidence, and the trust about what we do not see. And that's so important when we're talking about hope. Because for many of us, we have no problem trusting in the things we can see, but what does it take to have hope in the thing that you can't see? What does it take to trust the one that you can't see, to be looking for provision, but you don't know where it's going to come from, to be trusting the outcome of something, but you're unsure of how it's going to get there. And so what we're talking about today is really faith, but we're also talking about a confidence in the, what we're hoping for. In other words, what we know God is going to bring into fulfillment for us and, and whatever that may be in your life today, I want you to think for just a second, what is it that you're hoping for? other than for like quarantine to be over with and <laughs> we could be done with day 37 uh, and how bored you may be at your house or stressed out or chasing kids around or ready to get back to work or whatever it is for you. What is it that you're hoping for? Are you hoping for security? Are you hoping for stability? Uh, are you hoping for just encouragement, joy? Are you just ready to have peace in your life? Has all of what's surrounding you right now, whether it's coronavirus or whether it's cancer or whether it's, man, uncertainty as to what your career field looks like in the future. Maybe you're in college right now and everything that you were prepared for for the future is being shook. Well, I'm here to tell you today that there is a confidence in what we can have and what we're hoping for. And I'm here to tell you today that maybe what you're hoping for is going to change a little bit, but we can have an assurance in the God that we do not see. And we may not see him physically, but we can see him working all around us. And so we're going to have faith in who God is. And so the problem is for many of us, right, is we can't always see past what is right in front of us, or sometimes we have a problem seeing what's in front of us. And what I mean by that is for many of us, we remember pain, but we forget possibilities, right? We dwell on critics, but we forget compliments. Or uh, we hold on to bitterness, but we struggle with blessing. Uh, I know for me and for many of you that are in the millennial generation, Gen Z generation, right? You could post a picture on Instagram. And as soon as you post a picture on Instagram, you could have 50 likes. You could have 50 people jump in the comments and talk about how great it is. Let one person show up and have a bad thing to say about it. It will wreck your day, right? Like it'll, you, you just want to say something back to them. You'll forget all the good things going on and you'll hone in on this one negative thing that's happening around you, right? Our past is a vivid reminder of what God does in our lives. But sometimes it's hard to stay connected to the good things God is doing when all we can see is these things that are right in front of us. Just like sometimes it's hard to remember all these good things people may have been saying on our Instagram post when the one bad person shows up. What do we do in our lives when we can see time after time after time that God came through for us? He restored hope. He showed us why he's the one we should have our faith in. 
What do we do when that's happening to us, but in front of us is something that's bad, something that's struggling, something that's hard, right? And how does our faith shape around that? Well, that's kind of what we want to talk about. See, uh, this point that I want to make to you, we allow the pain of our past to paralyze our purpose. We allow the pain, the significant hurt, the scars, the wounds of what happened to us in our past, we allow it to paralyze, hold still, not allow anything to move forward, the purpose that God has for us. And so what God wants to do is set into motion to where we're no longer paralyzed by what's happening around us or what has happened to us. He wants us to move forward. I would even say this because we rarely, the next thing is we rarely allow the confidence of our past to give us hope in his promises. What I mean by that is we rarely allow all the good things every time God has come through for us, every time he has proven himself worthy of our praise and our worship, every time he has assured us that he should be the one we have our faith in. I want you to think right now, just for you, how many times has God come through for you? How many times has he showed up and helped you uh, pay a bill when you didn't know how you were gonna do it? How many times has your health been in a bad place and you weren't sure how it was gonna be consistent? Or you weren't sure how the doctor's notes were gonna help? You weren't sure how you were gonna get through that? But in the midst of it all, God still showed up. How many times has that happened for you? I want you to think about your past. Now, we rarely allow the confidence of all the times God has come through for us to give us hope in the promises of our future but we have to, and that's what I'm here to tell you today, is that we have to become hope dealers. We have to become confident in who we are trusting and who our faith is in and who we have hope in. See, I don't know, um, maybe it's basic human condition, right? Because I think all of us fall into this trap where no sooner then God does something amazing. No sooner than we have this revelation, no sooner than when he meets us in a special place. I know for me, I've had multiple times where I was uh, with the Lord and maybe I was sitting in my truck or I was in my office or I was at my house and, and just praying and God met me there in a special way. And uh, no sooner than that is over, sometimes we find ourselves in this position where we are forgetting who Jesus is and getting honed in on how big our, or how bad or whatever our circumstances are. And so we see in uh, Luke chapter 22, right? Some things are going on in this chapter and we're gonna be there most of today if you wanna turn there with us. But in Luke chapter 22, Jesus is meeting with his disciples, right? And there's a few things happening. He's having the Passover meal. He's having the last supper with them. He's sitting down and he's walking them through some really special moments. And in the middle of doing that, uh, he has uh, the, essentially communion. The Last Supper, he takes the bread and does the wine and, and he talks to them and he's talking about how there's a glorious day coming where he'll get to be with them and he'll take the Last Supper with them. Like he's having this conversation. And I want you to think, like, this is an amazing moment that he's sitting with his disciples and having this conversation, right? Well, right after, right after Jesus has this conversation about how glorious he is, the disciples go into a full-blown argument about which one of them is the greatest, right? I, I kid you not, Luke 22, 24 says this, right? A dispute arose among them, talking about the disciples, as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. So in the midst of Jesus trying to make everything about him, what are the disciples doing? Trying to make everything about them, 
right? And for some of us, that's how we operate, man. When God is trying to show us how great he is, we're in the middle of that trying to declare to Jesus how bad things are for us, right? We're essentially, God is saying, put your attention on me and watch me come through. And all we can do in response is say, but God, look how bad things are. We're bringing our attention onto me. Look how bad things are. Look how difficult things are. Look how bad I'm struggling. Even to people around us, in the midst of our struggle, we're not pointing people to Jesus. We're trying to draw attention to ourselves sometimes because we want people to see how bad things are for us. But what does it look like to put that hope, that faith, that trust, to put attention back on God? So regardless of this, Jesus starts talking to them, right? In verses 28 through 30, he says this, you are those who have stayed with me in my trials. And I assign to you, as my father assigned to me, a kingdom, right? That you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, seriously, I want you to think about this for a moment because you may not understand the context of what's happening. The disciples are part of a culture who have been promised that a Messiah is coming. All right, so I want you to grab a hold of this for a second. They've been promised and they've read for years that a Messiah is coming. Someone is coming to restore the nation of Israel, right? That he's going to be a king that sits on a throne that rules, men, rules the nation and all things are going to be restored. That's their hope. So in the midst of this, Jesus says, not only am I going to do all those things, but you're going to sit with me at the table and you're going to do those things with me. Now, as a disciple, I'm sure these guys are like, bet, like, let, let's do that, right? So he gets there and he's having that conversation, right? And he's telling them all this is going to happen. What the disciples don't realize is the kingdom Jesus is talking about isn't a worldly kingdom. It's a heavenly kingdom. But they haven't grabbed a hold of that just yet. So then Jesus says this to him in verses 31 through 32. He looks at Peter, Simon, and he says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he may sift all of you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith, say faith. All right, let's try it again. Say faith, that your faith may not fail. In other words, he's saying all of these things, man, I'm promising you that the kingdom has come. You're going to sit at my table. And essentially, Jesus is saying all things will be made right. And when they are, you have a seat at the table in my kingdom. He follows that up with, but Peter, Simon, who becomes Peter, he says, Satan has set into motion to sift all of you like wheat. In other words, he's going to come against you. There's going to be hard times. But I have prayed, look here, that your faith may not fail. And this is important because I want you to understand something, right? Jesus didn't say, I'm praying that you wouldn't be sifted. That's not what he said. He's saying the enemy has set out to sift you. And he's saying, I'm not praying that you wouldn't be sifted. He's saying, I'm praying that when you get sifted, you wouldn't fail. And that's a huge thing that we have to realize because in our life, right, we go through seasons where uh, Jesus is telling us essentially, I'm not saying you're not going to experience hardships. I'm saying that when you experience hardships, you can trust that I'm not going to fail you, right? Matter of fact, we can go to 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 9, where Paul is writing in the New Testament. He tells us this. He says, we're hard pressed on all sides, but not crushed, right? We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. I want you to think about what that means for you in your life right now, right? 
hard press on all sides. I'm in quarantine day 47 or whatever you feel like, right? My kids are going buck wild and everyone has lost their mind. But thank God I'm not crushed, right? I'm perplexed. I'm confused. I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. I don't know what's going to happen. But guess what? Because God's on my side, I'm not in despair. I'm persecuted, right? I, don't, I, I feel confused. I feel like the enemy is coming against me, right? Essentially, he, it looks like the enemy is trying to sift me like we, like he's coming after me. But guess what? I'm not abandoned. God's on my side, right? And I'm struck down. There are moments where I feel defeated. There are moments where I feel like I can't pick myself up and go another day. Maybe you are genuinely at the end of your rope right now. Maybe you are genuinely like you, you, you feel like you're running out of everything, faith, hope, all of it. And you're clinging to the last straw of every bit of faith that you have right now. You may feel struck down, but hear me today. You're not destroyed because God's on your side, right? And so though the enemy is looking to the disciples and Jesus is warning them, he set out, he's going to sift you. Listen, you may be going through a season of sifting. Jesus never promised you that the sifting wouldn't happen. He's praying that your faith would not fail in the midst of your sifting. So he comes on the scene and he comes in and he says, I'm praying that despite the fact that you may feel faithless at times, right? I'm wanting, I'm wanting you, Jesus is looking at us, he's saying, I'm wanting you to look back and see all the other times that I've been faithful when you felt faithless. Look at every time I've come through when you didn't see how I was gonna come through, right? Because here's what I want you to understand. Jesus isn't praying for your sifting. He's praying for your confidence. He's not praying that you're not gonna experience hardships. He's praying that you would stay faithful in the midst of your hard times, in the midst of your sifting, just like with Peter. I'm praying that your faith wouldn't fail you when you come in contact with the hardships that are coming. And Jesus is praying that for us right now. The Bible says that Jesus is interceding on our behalf. He's praying for us that, man, that he is stepping into that place where he is trying to encourage and build our faith that it wouldn't fail in the midst of the hard times that may come into our life, right? So he's praying for us. And, and when you look at the idea of sifting, right, uh, how what they would show there is when they're trying to break off the individual grains off of the wheat, what sifting is, is there's a few different stages to that. One is they would literally throw all of the wheat uh, onto the floor and it would be a rock or very hard floor. And they would have cows or cattle. They would have different machines uh, or things that would attach to those animals. And they would grind it into the floor to knock all the wheat off of the stalks. And essentially Satan is saying, oh, I'm going to grind every bit of you into the, I'm going to do everything I can. And Satan ha sets into motion plans. But here's the beautiful part. Satan doesn't set anything into motion that God's not already aware of and permitted. Right? So whatever you're going through, God is still in control of even difficult seasons in your life. So this threshing and this sifting that's going on in your life, man, the enemy may be trying to accomplish something, but I'm here to tell you that it's when the enemy is trying to accomplish his plans that God fulfills his plans. So he's going to set into motion. He's going to build confidence for you, everything. So he's praying for your faith. And it reminds me of another story in the Bible with a guy named Daniel. 
and he's put into the lion's den. And maybe you've heard the story, but maybe you haven't. And so Daniel is uh, brought before the ruler at that time. And uh, the long story short is because he prayed to God, you know, our God, because he prayed to God and not to someone else, they have to throw him into the lion's den. And so uh, he essentially is being given a death sentence. He's being thrown into the lion's den. And as he's being given this death sentence, uh, he prays to God and says, you know what, God, I'm putting all of my confidence in you. Regardless of the fact that it looks like I'm being sifted, I'm keeping my confidence in you, right? And so the long story short is Daniel is thrown into the lion's den. And we see in Daniel 6, 22, God sent his angel. So he comes out the next day. The king, the ruler, come, runs down because he was a friend of Daniel. And so he runs down and he says, Daniel, are you still there? And this is what Daniel says. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have, they have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done anything wrong before you, your majesty. Right? And so Daniel looks at him. And here's the question that I have for you. Many of us would have declared that God's not good in the midst of something like this, right? Because we believe we should never be in the, in the lion's den to start with. God, if you loved me, why would I be in this lion's den? God, I shouldn't be going through this. And God's saying, I can't show you miracles unless you go through the struggle where you need a miracle. I can't come through for you in miraculous ways if you're not in situations where you need miraculous provision. But for some of us, we take on this mentality of every time something hard, something bad, something difficult happens to us, God, how could you let this happen? And God's saying, you have to go through this so that I can show you how powerful I am on the other side. You see, we have to step into these spaces uh, where we go through tests. But hear me, many of us want the testimony, but we don't want the test to give us the testimony. Many of us want miraculous provision, but we don't want to be put in positions where we need miraculous provision. And for some of us, I'm here to tell you today that when you want God to come through for you, when you need God to show up in a powerful way, those are the seasons where miracles happen. But if you're never in the position where you need a miracle, then you never get to have the testimony of being provided one. And so we have to have confidence that even when we're being sifted, even when we feel like we're in lion's dens, even when we feel like we're struggling, that, man, God shows up in a powerful way. You see, some of us have to get close enough to the lions in our lives to see the power of God in our lives. You see, staring death in the face, staring difficulty in the face, being in a position where we have to trust God when we are face to face with our struggle, with our difficulty, with our circumstance. For some of us, we, we are so stubborn that we have to meet our opposition right nose to nose to be able to see God come through for us. Because if God came through for us any sooner than that, we would take credit for it. Now, I'm not saying you're guilty of that, but I'm saying I could be guilty of that. And self-reflection moment, maybe it's you, right? Like we could all find ourselves in that space. So when we see what Jesus is telling Peter, right? We go back and this is why Jesus tells Peter in Luke 22, 32, he says this, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, check this out. 
when you come through, when you turn again, then I want you to strengthen your brothers. And this is so powerful because uh, he's essentially telling Peter, like, hey, listen, when you come out on the other side, when you come through this difficult sifting, when you come through this season, don't chill out in your lazy boy eating chips on the couch. All right. Don't crack open some Mountain Dews and just say, thank you, God, for coming through for me. No, no, no. He's saying, when I come through for you, you go strengthen everyone around you and help them see that I'll come through for them, too. Essentially, he says this confidence sets in when the strengthened become the strengtheners. When you see God come through for you, then you take on that mantle, you take that testimony, and you become the voice to other people who have yet to get through their sifting, that God can confidently lead them in that space, that God will bring them through, that God will be their security. He will be their hope, their joy, their peace. He will lift them up. They will be victorious. All of those things happen because when we become the strengthened, when God pulls us through that season and we trust him in faith, when we have that hope, when we're distributed that hope, then we become the hope dealers for someone else. We give them the confidence that they need to make it through their season. Romans 5, 1 through 4, Paul says it like this, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, the confidence, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. In other words, it is through Jesus that we have grace, that we are afforded forgiveness, and now we have faith because Jesus gave it to us. And we boast in the hope. Well, there's that word again, that hope of the glory of God, that assurance, that hope, that drive, just knowing that he's going to be there. Not only so, but we also glory in our good times? That's not what it says. We glory in all of our blessings. That's not what it says either. We recount it all joys when everything goes perfectly fine for us. Not what it says. Glory in our sufferings? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. And character produces, guess what? Hope. You see, our sufferings lead us to hope. But how do our sufferings lead us to hope? Because our sufferings force us to use faith, and our faith leads us to hope in Jesus, that he'll come through no matter what. So we have that confidence. Your journey must become the story of God's faithfulness to your circle of influence. Your journey must become the story of God's faithfulness to your circle of influence. And here's what happens when that happens. Confidence changes our posture. Confidence changes our posture. When I go from, I really hope God is gonna work this out, to I know God is gonna work this out. We go from, I hope this is gonna go the way I need it to, to God is gonna be faithful, to I can trust in him, he's gonna carry me through this, right? Here's the thing. You know what's changed between those two statements? You know what's changed between I hope God comes through and I know God comes through? You know what the difference is between those statements? How you view them. Confidence. So are you more confident in the thing that looks like it's going to destroy you? Or are you more confident in the one that, that tells the waves they can only come this far? 
Are you more confident in the circumstances that surround you? Or are you more confident in the God that used words to put the sun, moon, and stars into space? Are you more confident in what the bank is telling you about your mortgage? Or are you more confident in the one that knows the number of hairs on your head? Are you more confident in uh, the doctor's note? Or are you more confident in the person that made the doctor and the note? Are you more confident in what you're going through? Or are you more confident in the God that holds the world in the palm of his hands? Because that's who we serve. And so we have a confidence, but our confidence should change our posture. Listen, confidence may not change your circumstances, but it can change the posture that you view your circumstances through. And so it should change how we view this. And that should cause us to worship differently, to give God everything differently. But here's what I want you to understand. No matter what happens, worry is not an option. Here's why. You can worry or you can worship, but you can't do both. You can worry or you can worship, but you can't do both. In the middle of your storm, in the middle of your circumstances, you can say, God, I'm giving you everything. You're amazing. You're the one I worship. I give all of this to you. Or you can say, God, I'm too worried. I'm taking this all on myself. Here's the thing. You can't give it to God and hold on to it at the same time. You got to do one or the other. You've got to either give 100% of it to him or keep 100% of it on yourself. Here's what I know. We're not strong enough to carry the load of our circumstances, but Jesus is. He truly is strong enough to carry everything that we would have. Hebrews 11:1. 1, going back to that, it says this, faith is the confidence, confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we have yet to see. Doesn't mean we won't see it. It means it's the assurance about we have yet to see. Well, we don't see yet. I don't know how it's going to happen, but God comes through. So guess what? I didn't see how he was going to get Peter through the sifting. I don't see how God was going to get Daniel through the lion's den. And quite frankly, you may not see how God's going to carry you through what you're going through right now. You may not see what the end looks like for you. You may not know how he's going to do it. But guess what? I don't know how he's going to do it, but I can trust that he's going to do it. Listen, have confidence. Position your faith, right? Here's the deal. It's called faith and it's called confidence because it's what we're hoping for. And I'm here to tell you today, Jesus can hold the weight of what you're going through. He can take you. Listen, I'm not even talking about getting through it. I'm talking about becoming victorious through it. That when you get to the other side, just like with Peter, Jesus said, I don't just want you to get through it. Once you're through it, I want you to be the one that strengthens others. And I'm here to tell you today, for many of you, Jesus isn't even talking to you, trying to tell you, hold on and just get through. Jesus is saying, when you're victorious on the other side, you become the hope dealer for your circles around you. And as we give God that confidence, we can step into that space where we know he makes us victorious because he's victorious. So let's do it. All right, guys, let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. God, we thank you that we can have confidence in you. So many times in our life, God, we can see where things have failed us, where people have failed us, where circumstances look like they were going to be failing us, God, but you never have. God, even though there are areas of our life where maybe things were different than we thought they should be, you, maybe we thought you should have done things differently for us than you did, it didn't mean you failed us. It means we had to adjust our posture to see what you were doing in the midst of it. 
So God, I pray that you encourage the faith of those that are watching right now, those that are listening right now. God, I pray that just as those that may feel sifted, God, that you declare over them that their faith will not fail them. And that when they come through, they get to be a hope dealer for someone else. God, I pray for those that feel like they're in a lion's den. They feel like they're facing death or uncertainty right now. God, I pray that you show them that you can shut the mouth of the lion. And so God, I pray that you do that. God, give them confidence, show up, bring peace and joy. God, an overwhelming sense of heart, God, that you are there in the midst of it. So God, I pray that you would do that in Jesus' name. Give us confidence, give us faith, give us hope. For those of you that are watching or listening right now, if you're in the space where you do need that confidence but from Jesus, but at the same time, what you really need is, is Jesus altogether. For, for many of you, you have gone on a journey where you have tried to do things in the world by yourself on your own. And what you're finding is that you actually need Jesus to give you a fresh start. You need him to give you a, a new beginning. You need him to step on your scene and, and come into the space where he encourages you, lifts you up, and gives you a fresh start. You see, all of us, the Bible says, have sinned. We've all blown it. But if you're ready for your sin to be washed away, for Jesus to give you a clean slate, a new beginning, if you're ready for that to set in for your life, I'm here to tell you that Jesus is ready to do it for you. Matter of fact, he's already done all that is necessary for that to happen. The Bible says that when he went to the cross, he paid for our sins, he died there. And the three days later, he resurrected from the dead and he defeated the sin of our life, but he also defeated death, hell, and the grave, which means he overcame the hell that you and I deserve because sin is in our life. And all we have to do to step into that grace is have faith that when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for our sins. And so what we're gonna do today is we're gonna pray. And today, if you're ready for a new start, you're ready for a new beginning, you're ready for your sins to be forgiven, I'm here to tell you that Jesus is ready to give you that. And so we're gonna to pray together, and this prayer doesn't make you saved. This prayer puts words to the actions of our heart that says, Jesus, I'm trusting in you, that your death on the cross has given me a new beginning. And so we're gonna pray this together. I'm gonna to ask you to repeat this prayer after me as a confession with your mouth of what you're believing in your heart, and that's that Jesus is taking control of your life and you're surrendering to him. So let's pray. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my wrongs, make me clean, make me pure, make me whole. I believe that you died on the cross and I believe that you rose three days later. Through your life, through your death, and through your resurrection, I can be saved. So I give you my life, make me brand new, give me the ultimate hope found in Jesus. In your name I pray, amen and amen. Hey, listen, we celebrate with you. We know that God is doing amazing things in your life. And so I'm here to tell you today that if you are stepping into a season where uh, God is doing something amazing, we would love to hear your story. Go to transformationchurch.com and we would love to uh, know what God is doing in your life. Also, one of the things that we would love for you to do um, is if you prayed that prayer and Jesus is giving you a fresh start, a new beginning, we would love it if you would fill out our connect card at transformationchurch.com. You can do it on your phone even. So you just go to transformationchurch.com on your smartphone. You can fill out the connect card and we wanna reach out and connect with you and help you on this journey that God has for you. 
So if you have taken that next step, if you're new with us to our online platform, if this is the first time watching, we would love to know who you are. Just go to transformationchurch.com on your smartphone or on your computer and fill out the connect card. You can just click connect uh, and they can help you with that. But we would love to find out who you are because we wanna help you take the next steps in what Jesus has for you. All right, guys, so we wanna say thank you. Thank you for everything.